Welcome to the Painless Podcast. It's Chris Hartwig from Painless Networking here. Stop by www.painless.network for all your painless networking info. And wherever you're listening, at your desk, on a stroll, dozing off, uh, Painless Podcasts are all about getting connected with good human beings in sports and event marketing. We're going to go beyond sound bites with smart, interesting, generous people sharing how the, how and why they've reached the point that they're at today. Well, you can probably hear I'm fighting an awesome summer head cold, so I'll try to go real quickly here. Before, though, I introduce you to today's guest, Mike Gordon, who's the president of the Chicago Wolves. Need to thank this week's sponsor, the Illini RST Celeb Am Golf Outing. It benefits the U of I Department of Recreation, Sport, and Tourism Scholarship Fund. If you ever wanted to play a round of golf with your favorite former fighting Illini, now you can at the Illini RST Celeb Am Outing coming up on Friday, August 11th at Deerfield Golf Club in Riverwoods, Illinois. Foursomes and whole sponsorships are available now. Contact my guy, Nick Lapin. Lapin, I always butcher your name, Nick. He's an RST alum and the organizer. His email is N-I-K-L-A-P-I-N at AOL.com or visit the group website, www.alliniRSTGolfOuting.com. Experience uh, the best silent auction and raffle in the North Shore. That's that's heavy there with uh, opportunities to win fabulous stay and plays at... This is good. French Lick Resort, Kohler, World Golf Village, and more. Don't miss your chance to play with greats like my guy, the big man, number 25, Deion Thomas, uh, Jim Grabowski, football legend, Lucas Johnson. Nobody's grittier on the boards, Robert Arch, Archibald, and many others. So check that out, IlliniRSTGolfOuting.com. One other quick note, check your email inbox today for the latest painless email blast coming out today being Wednesday, July 19th, focused on internships and entry-level positions in sports and event marketing. Again, go to painless.network to add yourself to the mailing list if you're not there already. All right, let's get into this chat with Mike Gordon. He's a tremendous human being, terrific mentor, pretty darn good at his job as well says, um, share some great advice on breaking in and using, like in his case, interest in studying human nature, putting data against the fan experience to move up in sports business. He also shares tales starting with his days working at DePaul, then the Chicago Rush, and now leading all the off-ice functions for the very successful Chicago Wolves. I recommend connecting with Mike on LinkedIn. He tweets from at shywolvesprez. C-H-I-W-O-L-V-E-S-P-R-E-S. While the team's uh, handle is at Chicago underscore Wolves. Instagram, they have a nice account at Chicago Wolves Hockey. And of course, their terrific website with tons of info at ChicagoWolves.com. Let's get to my interview recorded just the other day, Monday, July 17th at the Wolves offices in Glenview and get connected with Mike Gordon. Welcome to the Painless Podcast, Mike Gordon. Mike is the president of the Chicago Wolves. And uh, give us, before we, we go back in time a little bit, tell us a little bit about what's your role right now with the Chicago Wolves. Uh, so as you said, I'm currently president of the Chicago Wolves. And my day-to-day or job description is basically everything that happens off the ice. Uh, so I don't, I don't lace them up. I don't shoot the puck, and uh, I think the team thanks me for that. Um, but 
anything that goes on off off the ice, I don't select the players, but um, anything from television negotiations to ticket pricing to sponsorships to uh, I'm on the board of governors uh, with the league, all of that kind of runs through my office. And that's the AHL. Is it is, the American Hockey League. Right? Yep. Okay. And we'll go over some more of this later. How many teams are in the AHL right now? There will be 30 teams. Now, driving back and, and leading back up to present day, Tell us, you, you grew up in Chicago suburbs, right? I did. I grew up in uh, Glencoe, Illinois, so not, not too far from the office, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. And what high school? Uh, New Trier. New Trier. Yeah. A Trevian. I am a Trevian. Were you uh, into sports? Like, have you always been a, were you an athlete? Were so you you're going you're gonna to take this whole conversation off already. No, performing arts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So you're going you're gonna to well, have a fun you... story today. <laughs> no, I was one of those kids who loved sports. Um more if you if you had to define it in this day and age i'm the uh, park district uh athlete Mm -hmm. not the travel athlete um but kind of found my calling and strength in uh performing arts uh there are some videos out there i don't recommend finding them uh they'd be hard to get uh but uh performing at nutria was was similar to you know your your travel leagues because it was um, a big institution, and if you want to do something, you, you have to be pretty decent at it. So, um, four years of performing arts while playing sports on the side, mm-hmm. just for fun. Sports was still absolutely one of my passions, though. Were you now? I'm assuming being, uh, let's say this graciously, a little bit older, like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you played a lot of different sports. This was before the specialization, so you were correct. Playing you didn't know what whatever, specialization whatever the was. I mean, was it was you went from baseball to basketball to uh, hockey or whatever. Yeah, you could you could ask me what my favorite sport it was, and whatever was in season was my favorite sport. Ah, now growing up north north uh, suburbs, were you a Cubs fan? Yeah, following Ab- absolutely, and uh, Blackhawks too. Like, how big of hockey? Uh, how big of a place did hockey play in your life growing so up? So it's funny, not not a huge role. As a matter of fact, uh, I played a little bit of hockey um, up at uh, the Watts Ice Rink in Glencoe, and it's an outdoor rink um, and one of the few outdoor rinks that existed. And what I remembered playing hockey was it being unbelievably cold. <laughs> and, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm out here skating and it's freezing. Why can't I go skate indoors in Winneka? And now it's the in thing to do to play outdoor games. So it's come full circle, but no, it, it just did. You played one sport to the next, and hockey just played another role as yeah. others did. Now, did you? Uh, were, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were a kid through high school doing performing arts, were you thinking you were going to go into theater? Were you thinking you were going to go be a salesman? Were you? Uh, no, I had the I had the opportunity to to go into theater. Um, so I through high school, went to some colleges during the summer Mm -hmm. um, to perform, but uh, knew that that wasn't my end calling. It's just something that that was enjoyable, but went into a small liberal arts school, uh, Knox College in Galesburg, for a degree in psychology. Uh, I knew that I was someone who wanted to constantly read people and help people if I could, so thought that was my calling. Um, While still loving sports so uh well first before i forget before we get away from performing arts complete can you sing you, can we get you out here to do the national anthem uh, I, game? I could sing i used to sing uh, i don't any longer oh that's too bad yeah all right so <laughs> so now graduating knox what mm-hmm. was the the plan there what was the first job from from but there? so knox started the whole sports um probably the pa- the passion for it so 
uh, side story for it. Um, uh, I grew up as um, asthmatic child, one who had to go to emergency rooms oh, as a kid geez. and things like that. And remember one day saying, this is it. I'm, I'm done with this. So I trained myself out of it, if that makes sense. So <laughs> literally, I'm going to run from one house, my house, to a couple houses down the street. And if I can make that, then the next day I'm going to go a little farther and a little farther. And you expand your lung capacity. And it worked for me. Huh. So I wrote in my college essay that, that said, uh, hey, uh, now I love to play all these sports that I love, including you know basketball, football, baseball. But as I just stated to you, I'm the play tackle football with my friends on a Sunday yeah, kind of right. kid. Um, and I got a call from a school, and they said, hey, I noticed you play football. This is, this is the head football coach from you know, Lawrence University. Uh, okay, okay, I'm shocked, right? I'm totally <laughs> caught off guard. He says, you know, what are your measurements? Coach, I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, let me, how tall are you? And how much do you weigh? He said, you know, what do you do? I saw you know, play football with my friends on the weekend. He goes, well, we'd love to have walk-ons. We love that. And all of a sudden, my life changed at that moment, saying, wow, you know what? I want to do that. I've done theater for all this time. Who does? What kid doesn't dream about being a collegiate athlete? Mm-hmm. So... If I knew what I knew, I probably wouldn't have done it, but um, ended up at Knox College and walking onto the football team, <laughs> ever never playing or- organized football, um, and played a couple of years uh, there and played, I use that term loosely, as a tackling <laughs> dummy or, squ- or a scout guy. Um, it was great. Uh, made the uh, travel team, you know, the team that actually gets one overnight. Um, in my sophomore year. And after that, I stopped, uh, stopped playing, but it, it put in my brain something like, if you really want to go try to do something, you got to throw yourself out there and take some risks. Uh, I remember the large defensive linebacker, uh, one day kind of walking by me and throwing his shoulder into me from behind. Um, (laughs) you, you, you know, are you the kid who's never played football? And I was like, yeah, he's like, well, that takes a lot of guts and he had different words than guts, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, but it was great, and that started that whole passion for a while. This this sports thing, I I love it. <laughs> what position? Well, I started as defensive back and punter, and if you knew my speed, <laughs> uh, defensive back went by the wayside. Um, so I was uh, I was a punter, and then um, obviously scout team offense or defense when wherever wherever they wherever needed. you needed, right? Oh my! Well, that's kind of what you're doing today wherever you're needed yep so when and then when you graduated what was what did you go do when you got out of school what was the first so uh i graduated with a degree in psychology pretty heavy in um kind of human research uh social more of a social psychology background um so i got my first job at depaul university as a research analyst Hmm. um on the education side so we analyzed numbers and wrote reports for the board of trustees to have future vision for the university. But one of the things that we had to do is we had to report the NCA graduation rates. Hmm. And I said, I raised my hand. I said, I'll do that. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's something sporty. I'll do it. <laughs> um, so sure enough, I got started to establish a relationship with the uh, with the athletic administration there at that time, just kind of working there. Um, so that was my first job and. In my second, my callback interview, you know, the, kind of the final one where they're going to offer you, they said, do you have any final questions? I said, yeah, are there any uh, discounts on basketball season tickets? <laughs> they had to go look it up because it's just not an area or a question that they knew about. Uh, so sure enough, there was, and I became one. That was your 
that was the uh, d- the decision making pivot point. Was that you could get the discount on the, correct? That was the the shows you how crazy I was. Right, right. Well, back in eighty seven, uh, DePaul basketball was still re- relevant. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, that was a mean thing to say, but. Um, so you you ended up at DePaul for a long time, and how long until it, you know ended up as an assistant AD for external affairs? So how much how long were you doing the research stuff and on that side of things until you moved it was over? A couple to, of years in the research, mm-hmm. um, the research side. I think it was maybe three years, and uh, during that time, uh, and this is this one of those uh, you know one of those life lessons to just keep your eyes open and seize whatever opportunity is in front of you. Um, so a couple opportunities opened up while I was a uh, while I was a research analyst, and my boss came in and said, "Hey, when are you going back to school?" I said, "I I don't know, you know, I hadn't really thought too much about yeah. it." Well, she said, "I'm putting it in your job description for next year as something you have to do." And by the way, do, do you know when you work at an institution, they pay for your education? I said, "Well, I guess I'm going back and getting my <laughs> MBA." So you know, MBA in marketing kind of follows that creative and oh, psych- yeah. psychology um, background. Um, but meanwhile, uh, the World Cup was in town in 94. Right. So I saved up all my vacation and went, took a vacation to go work for the World Cup or volunteer yeah, for the World right, Cup right. Um, in press communications because that's what was open. Sure. Um, so I got to experience all that at Soldier Field, which was amazing. And it was day in, day out stuff, not the event staff day. Mm-hmm. It was really get in the grind and and kind of help out. I also saw an internship in the school newspaper that the Blackhawks were looking for uh, an intern. So I applied and I went and, and spoke with them. I said, no, we're really looking, I'm going to date myself, for someone to make faxes and <laughs> right. copies. And I said, well, I said, I'll do that. Said, no, well, with your background, actually, we're, we're about to commission a study before we go into the United Center about what fans like and dislike about the experience the game day experience. Hmm. Now this is this is old school Blackhawks, something they had not done in the past. Right. Um, so I got hired to do that, and I hired all my friends during spring break to do data entry, <laughs> um, and I commissioned a study and and performed a study for the Blackhawks on what they like and don't like as they head into the United Center. Um, it actually got positive press in the newspapers, which is was difficult for that franchise at that time. Right. Um, because those were a little different times than we see today, sure. where, where you know they're the toast of the town. Um, so I got that done as well. Um, and then as I was getting my MBA, I walked into the athletic department and said, "Hey, if you open up your books for the next two years, I'll give you free analysis. Um, every time we all do it, we're all in classes, and they say pick, pick a brand and study their marketing mm-hmm. or study their finances, and we just pick Coca Cola or someone who makes widgets." And I picked DePaul every single time. And before my MBA was up, they said, hey, you know what? We have this ticket manager position open. Would you like to do that? I know it's less than what you're currently making, but Hmm. it's what we have open. And if you'd like to get into sports, here's an opportunity. We'd love to have you. Sure enough, no problem. I'm moving. Mm -hmm. So I moved uh, to the athletic side. Uh, did a couple years as the ticket manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote the first website, taught myself really? HTML coding. Wow. Wrote the first website. Um, I think that was right after Al Gore created the internet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, opened up a Ticketmaster outlet, which may have been the greatest gig of all time because 
being a ticket manager, you know the system's in and out. Mm-hmm. So the minute tickets went on sale, <laughs> if your friends were in line, everyone was getting tickets. Um, so it was easy to manage. Uh, all above board, though. Uh, I just, just well, the clear. fingers were fast. Clear. Very clear about that. Um, and then, um, you know, a chance to seize seize every opportunity. As the as the director of marketing left, I was promoted to that position. Um, the head of uh, you know of business also left at one point, and I did I did his role. So the opportunity when people leave to step up, raise your hand, and say I'll help wherever I can uh, makes a big difference. So went from director of marketing to you know assistant athletic director for external relations. So I handled the university's licensing. Um, had a big hand in the redesign of the logo, mm-hmm. um, you know, negotiations with playing games in the United Center, all those kinds of things. Yeah. But it's just it's seizing every opportunity and not necessarily, as you and I have talked in the past, not necessarily having a roadmap of this is yeah. where I need to be, except for keep your eyes open and take advantage of what's out there. Well, that's, yeah, that's such a great piece of advice. And I've heard that time and time again here with other guests on the podcast is, you can have, hey, I want to get to, the, you know, I want to be the general manager. I want to be the team president. I want to be the whatever that kind of a role is. You can be working towards that, but there's not a set way that you get there. And that what you've talked about already, and we haven't even gotten to working at the the rush or certainly with the wolves, is you've already exposed, like you said, now, now you know the guts of how the websites are being built. You knew how the guts of how ticket sales happened. You knew how to do the licensing stuff so that when you were looking at things, understanding whatever, logos and branding, how that all stuff, how that comes together and you can end up making making money off that, rev- generating revenue and more revenue. So, um, so you worked at DePaul for a long time, all the way through 2002 yeah. and left to go to the rush. Mm-hmm. And then we were there for seven years. So you'd been two places for quite a long period of time. What was the um, t- the impetus for leaving DePaul to go to the the Rush? Looking for a new is it as simple as looking for a new opportunity? What was it? Um, so I had been approached um, by them uh, a year prior. I'd sat down um, with the president uh, uh, Mike Poliski, who uh, you know is at Northwestern now, um, and uh, we had talked, and the timing just wasn't right. But, uh, you know, it stays on your radar for sure. Um, and then a year later, the Arena Football League signed a uh, national television agreement with NBC. And all of a sudden, the game changed. Yeah. That's a different brand now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the opportunity to still jump in at a level where you're creating a brand from scratch. And so you can go in one direction. You could be beer drinking guys for football or you could be families. What do you want to be? What do you want that to look like? And, Kind of the opportunity to start from scratch is really, really impactful and um, and great for anyone's career. Uh, so I, I took that opportunity to jump to be the VP of sales, um, and I oversaw tickets and sponsorships at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you know another another lesson for for folks out there as you know at least in my career. You have to understand what's good for the business as well. Um, at one some point, we grew too big, and I couldn't oversee both tickets and sponsorships. It's not right for the business. Um, I could have held on to it. I could have fought, but we sat down in planning meetings and said, this brand is going to be more successful if I spend more time on one or the other as opposed to 
being selfish and still grabbing two yeah. and doing both of them not perfect, yeah. how, but one much better. How, how did you come to that? Like that takes some self-awareness and some maturity. Like what, what was it that, or what one thing or a couple things was it that triggered that for you? I think you have to bind to the brand and what the brand stands for you later on. Um, and the fact that you were building it from the ground. So are you going to stand in the way of success where it, this could be something that gets really gets off the ground and does well, which, which it did. Um, and it's with some of that though, purely time, like you just couldn't be in. Yeah. We grew too, we grew too fast. You couldn't be addressing all the things that needed to be done on ticket sales and all the things that need to be done in sponsorship marketing. Correct. So you, you couldn't, you needed two people for it. I mean, it. I, 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 I feel that most most divisions of the business you need to eat breathe and sleep that 24 hours a day yeah and i what i couldn't be because you know if when you're ramping up for sponsorship sales you know as as soon as you get really close to the start of the season you're in manic mode <laughs> to try to close right. everything and you know grab artwork and do all that stuff well that that's a point where you should be closing all your group sales so one is absolutely standing in the way of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have to be mature about it yeah. and do the right thing. Um, so I did, and it's part of buying into what that staff stood for, which was we're going to grow this brand into something special. So that's what we did. I, we hired a new VP of ticket sales. He did that, and I ran the sponsorship side. And you know, some cases it was also... Yeah, I mean, it might be a little bit of whatever your pride or ego or something, but it was also good that the um, that the um, the team could bring on another person versus you having to. Because in some small organizations, it's two jobs, and it really needs two people, but they can't afford to have two people doing it, really, right? I think anyone in those small positions will agree with that statement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and you were in that, you were in that role for the duration at the the rush, mm-hmm. right? Okay, and then, and so that brings us up to where you're at now, the Wolves. That you moved over here in 2009, first as VP of Partnerships, and and then about a year later, a year and a half later, right, uh, named president. So, what brought you over here sure. from the from the rush and the Arena Football League to AHL hockey? So sometimes external factors play a large role uh, that you can't control. Um, so was at the rush for a, a good long run. Um, we had actually built that brand to a point that it was profitable, um, which is you know takes a little <laughs> while. And, yeah. and if you know um, some teams in minor league sports, that can be difficult. Um, and the value is really in when you sell the franchise. But we we driven it to profitability. One day I get called into um, into my boss's office, and he says, "Hey, you know the wolves are looking for for some new for some new blood. What do you think?" I said, "Well, I, I don't." I said, <laughs> I, "I don't understand what you're telling me. We're, we finally built this to where we want it to be. What do you?" And he said, "Well, what you don't know is, in you know, in about a week or so, the league is going to declare bankruptcy." Oh. Because they need to fix workers' comp issues and a whole bunch of other things, so they're going to take a year off. And all of a sudden, and he said, "I've already talked to the owner, and I've created a package deal that if I go, you go." So, you interested in going? I said, 
hockey sounds great. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and obviously hockey. I'd respected this brand for years. Yeah. It's been around, you know, since 94, uh, with fi- full buildings. Um, it's in a building now. If you look at the tenure, as at DePaul, I was at the uh, Rush and now the Wolves. I've been with Allstate Arena for a long time. Yeah. Don't don't play hide and go seek against me. <laughs> yeah, I'll, right. I'll have you beat. <laughs> you, you know all the spots mm-hmm. and all the uh, skeletons in the closet probably too. So that and that was Mike Poliski yeah. that brought you over yeah. here, right? Yeah. And then um, he and then he left and he left after about 2010, uh, yeah right? about a year and a half or uh, two years. And I've the ownership uh, recognized me as being ready to handle this role and asked, would you like to do this? And of course I would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think going back to what you said, having the ability of where I've been in my history, I've done game operations, I've done ticket operations, right. uh, I've done sponsorships, I've done licensing, I've done marketing, I've handled everything but press relations. So the ability to sit in this chair Anyone who comes into my office, I have an understanding of what you do. Times may have changed a bit, yeah. but I have a pretty good understanding in the, of the challenges you face and the inner dynamics between the different offices. Right, right. So understanding how the, the, the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle fit together, I guess. So um, the you know, before diving more into the wolves, too, of looking back then of that progression, uh, you mentioned Mike Poliski. I'm imagining, um, I'm imagining Mike was a big... Um, mentor yep. and and somebody that yep. uh, you know you trusted and learned a lot from you know what kind of things did he has he taught you what who else f- fill, helped fill that kind of mentorship or somebody you could go ask questions to pick their brains on who who else were you talking to about those kinds of things yeah I mean I think I think uh, Mike is a big uh, big person that I go to uh, frequently there are quite a few. Um, AHL presidents that I also am in contact on a regular basis. We have a pretty tight-knit group. We can just pick up the phone um, and call. And I think a lot of leagues are doing a really good job of these um, you know, uh, marketing summits, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend attending those, whatever league you're in, because it's not only what you're going to gain and learn there, but it's the time you're going to spend sitting next to someone and finding out a little bit more about them where you feel like you can then absolutely pick up the phone and call um, and just ask right, questions. Talk about being in the same shoes. And, and as long as they're understanding that and it's not, um, you're not cannibalizing each other because you're in these different markets, you can each help each other out and flip the game like that. That's got to be huge because yep. they're dealing with similar size uh, venues. They're dealing with, um, I mean, you know, the markets are probably a little different. I mean, and that was one of my questions was, is it, you know, does that hinder you being in Chicago with it, A, being more expensive in general, like to be doing ads and promotions no and buying spots on radio or TV or print or online? I mean, no market really is as any more crowded than Chicago is, right? I mean, it's it's bluntly that you'd, you've, you're going to fall behind, you know, the Cubs, the Hawks, the bulls, bears, in that kind of pecking order just because of resources, yep. right? And in um, of those other 29 teams in the AHL, many are in smaller markets. So is that any kind of a disadvantage to you of, you know, 
are you competing against any of them? I mean, I'm sure in terms of pride, but I mean, is that a hindrance to you guys at all being here or a yes and no? Uh, yes. For everything you just said, it is a really crowd crowded market space. Uh, we believe our top competition is life. It's just things going <laughs> right. on, right? Yeah. Uh, we're con- we're battling for the entertainment dollar, but we're never going to run out of leads to call. You're never, the population yeah. is so big that there's always someone you can go reach out to. And if you get in some of these smaller markets, you're, you're knocking on the same door multiple times. Yeah. Well, and, and with that, when, you, when you're doing that, is it, um, how much has it changed? Because coming from doing ticket, uh, ticket sales background, it's a lot of basically banging on the phones. And is it still heavily phone focused? Uh, ultimately, the 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 best is a face to face. I feel, um, but where where had is, where has changed and stayed the same is you need to try to establish relationships with clients the way they want those relationships to be established. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do I see more text selling in our future? Of course. Uh, but right now, if I'm trying to get larger deals done, I need a face-to-face meeting because people of uh, my generation, and I put that in air quotes, <laughs> um, we like to be talked to. Right. I like to establish a relationship as soon as there's rapport built and there's some trust, and I really think you have my business in mind, then let's talk. Um, that's a little bit different than the folks who are just coming out of college. They have no problem having an entire conversation on text or Snapchat. That's right. not the way I'm going to do business. Right. But, well, it's not the way you are, but you've probably got some people here that do do business. Like they're hitting their, that's their, their yeah. target. And right? we have systems and in you're place open for that. To that right? Ab- absolutely. Right? Because that was, I was listening to the Dow of sports that was now four years ago already was the NHL lockout was going oh, yeah. on and they were talking to you about that as well as you had started moving people off being strictly ticket selling and uh, I think you called it an e-commerce yeah. position that was focusing around social media and and those things I'm assuming that that has you've that was you've four grown. years ago yeah right yeah. I'm assuming that that's grown by no leaps question. and bounds of no more question. bodies put against that and that changes the dynamic though within a a team because I think you were talking about that the the um, you know you've got people that are focused on ticket selling and it's heavily commission based so that you've now got somebody that you know, is basically hourly salary, something like that, right? Because they're supporting feeding good leads off to these people. So you just have you have to find that balance. I hadn't even thought of that, that like somebody either might be whatever, jealous or whatever, because you've got people with, with turf and things like that. Happens, you know? all, happens all the time. Right. And I, I think some of the largest growth that we will face in this industry and both in the the ticketing into the sponsorship side is, as as well and, and merchandise sales is in analytics. Is people really digging into the data and telling me what does it mean? You can have all kinds of data, but mm-hmm. if you can't tell me what it means, it's worthless. Mm-hmm. So you so you can arm those salespeople to have really good conversations that are that are very targeted, that talk about games that they've been to. Maybe you have another database set up that, geez, there was an amazing goal that game or there was a bench-clearing brawl. Mm-hmm. So then when I call you, Chris, I say, hey, I saw you came to the game last year, and I think you know we, we, we played Milwaukee. Yeah, I was at that game. Yeah, remember that brawl? Yeah, instant report, but mm-hmm. that's all because the data is there. Yeah, and is, is that a, a f- big focus of yours of looking at that stuff to be like, okay, I've got this 
you know, room full of people that are, are out there on the, in the trenches, if you will, selling tickets and season tickets and group packages and those things, it's okay. Well, how can I arm them? I mean, I'm imagining yeah. that's kind of the way you're looking at a lot of this stuff exactly. that you're doing, right? And, and are you empowered here or, you know, enabled to, to go out and, you know, spend the, the dollars in doing those analytics? Like where, and where are you, you know, how are you doing that? Is there some people actually in house that spend a lot of time on that? Or do you, are that, is that kind of the thing that always gets outsourced? Uh, it's a combination. We'll try to keep as much in as we can mm-hmm. because no one knows the story better than we do. Yeah. Uh, what I find is unfortunately when you, uh, farm some of this stuff out unless they have a sports background there is a there's a learning curve yeah. and there's not there's not a lot of time for a learning curve i don't need to teach some other outside agency who's going to be an expert yeah. in what sports business is yeah. it, it runs a little differently but that's that's fine so we'll keep most of it in house if we can um, but we're very lucky we have an owner that believes in this franchise and has since day 1 funded right. it well yeah um, and he's a businessman. Mm-hmm. And so if there's a return on that investment, he'll invest. Uh, it's, it's different than kind of the strategy of, Hey, this is all you have to spend and too bad. Right. If that's you, right. It's, it's in, within, um, minor league sports and such. That's kind of antithetical, isn't it? That it's, I mean, you may have some some guys in as owners that are it's a play thing, but they're usually the business people. It's like here, here, this is specifically the bucket of money, uh, and and it's this is what it is. It seems as though we're talking about Don, um, correct? Yeah, Don Levin. Yeah, and and he's got a great reputation, going to be a good person to work for, and definitely of always supporting the product that's out there. Yep. So can you? There's times you have to go to him and say, can we get either extra or yes. at least re repurposing some dollars to go do this thing. Correct. But he's a businessman that says, okay, I show the ROI. He'll listen. Yes. Yeah. It, it, and, and that's the way I think it, if you can, that's the way it should be. I mean, sure, you start with a budget and no one wants to go over their budget. But if you have a special opportunity that you can prove an ROI, then go do it. And we, we, we took some risks, right? We, like you said, four years ago, we took a guy off the phones and just said, all right, you're you're an e-commerce specialist. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out because that that landscape didn't exist. How do how do we sell tickets electronically? That's our goal. Let's go. Yeah, on the on the marketing and um, specifically sponsorship side, how uh, you know what kind of what kind of things are you doing with analytics to prove out to? Because again, I you know I've been on the the buying side, whether it's just an agency or or the brand side of you know, well, why would I want to go to the Wolves and be in Allstate when I could be at whatever, mm-hmm. United Center or Kane County or on and on and on? How are you using that right now to help you justify and sell through things? Well, the the technology is so advanced um, that we're, we're able to track you to purchase. So I can serve an ad to you. And then through Ticketmaster at the end, when you get to the cart and you click purchase, mm-hmm. I, f- I know what you've spent. So I can tell whether my ads have worked or not worked. Yeah, right. You are actually using that rather than letting that stuff sit and Correct. That we are gather we're dust. Not, um, and uh, I, I think some of our vendors uh, get frustrated. It's it's not about the <laughs> click click rates on mobile ads. It's about whether they convert it or right. not. Well, that's that's 
what needs to be done now. I see too many that it's you know they're still relying on. Oh yeah, well we got it in front of X number of eyeballs, but did people actually buy, and which yeah. ones actually worked? So you're putting not the screws to people, but on your team here is okay. Well, what that was a great ad, and we got even great press out of it or something, but we didn't sell any more tickets for it. Then that's not the ads we want to be running. Correct. Yeah. And you have to you have to beta test everything and A B test everything yeah. so that you know you know you have a control and that gets I understand that again that gets back to that psychology research background none of this <laughs> is foreign to me mm-hmm. um, but I think you know the next the next step is we we had a couple companies in here pitching the other day and you know one of them is credit card based and they said they can match up our sales because we have all your data because you bought through Ticketmaster. It's already in there. It's in the database. Mm-hmm. Um, we can match that up against this ginormous uh, credit card company, and they can tell us what the purchasing your purchasing habits are in mm-hmm. other places. So now I know whether, how often you're going to movies. Yeah. I know where you're going to movies. I know all of this. I don't know who you are. Right. That is all confidential. Right. But I know your but habits. But this profile gets so much smarter. Like you said, your competition is not just the other sports teams, but life. That's going to help you say, oh, I didn't know. Uh, we're indexing way high on going to movies. Right. Those are the people we need to be targeting. I would have assumed it was people who are going to you know, the mall or something like that. So, so, so you can those now are- switch where you're buying ads and... Right. I got a guy pitching me mall space and mall ads, and I got a movie company pitching me pre-roll. So if, if all of a sudden we're finding out our ticket buyers are doing one or the other, then that makes sense. And if they're not doing one or the other, it's an easy no. So it takes a lot of the guesswork out mm-hmm. of it if you believe that the data is true. You know, we, we look back to 20 years ago, you know, what we wouldn't even know what we're talking about. Correct. If we start throwing this stuff out, right? Like, wait, you're doing what with the what? It's all very big brother, and it, depend, it depends on whether you appreciate it or you're right. frightened by right. it. This thing, yes, right, right. I guess sometimes I, yeah. A specific deal th- that uh, came together recently was you've um, switched the affiliation to the, the new Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. And is that something, as, as team president, is that a, a responsibility of yours was putting that deal together? How much was was Don involved? Is that somebody else that's actually there? So that I mean that that goes all the way to the top. Um, we we couldn't be happier with the new affiliation that we signed. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to win, so that num- number one with Don is I want to win championships, mm-hmm. and however I can do that, that's the way I want to go. The GM of the of the Vegas Golden Knights believes in keeping his prospects in the AHL to win championships. That that is a really good. Um, good experiential moments for his players. He did that with the Hershey Bears for years when he was with the Washington Capitals. So, and as a matter of fact, in the affiliation agreement, it states the goal of this partnership is to win championships at the AHL levels. I don't know that there's another legal document that exists out there between two teams (laughs) like that, but it it certainly holds both parties to that. Mm -hmm. The way we treat the players and how, uh, what we provide them what are the facilities like? What are they eating? Where are they housed? Um, to them, who are they going to supply us with? Um, and the goal is to win championships. He said, if I'm not in this to win championships, then why am I doing it? 
Hmm. So this, so the affiliation goes right to the top. What else? I mean, what what other kind of stuff are you working on within you know within the whole Wolves organization? Is there there anything that's changing right now with how you're doing ticketing or sponsorship packages or how you're going to do the TV going forward? Any of those kinds of things that you know you could share a little bit about? Sure. We know how those things are happening. Sure, I think you know I, much of it is gradual over time, and if it's not broken, you don't have to fix it. Right. Our business is not struggling by any means. Uh, it continues to grow. So uh, the changes that you make need to be calculated, but not totally off track. Um, last year, from a television perspective, uh, we we believe we bettered our uh, broadcast footprint by having uh, uh, was 54 games or 55 games uh, on broadcast television, which mm-hmm. if you look around at the AHL, no one else is doing. Really? That. I was going to say. So we're not talking about, it's not cable and it's not it's not uh, subscription based. It is if you even uh-huh. if you have rabbit ears, you're getting our games yeah. for 55 times. So between the WCIU families and the Fox stations, we have 55 games on TV. Uh, we believe in it. Uh, we do not have a radio package. We believe hockey is better on TV than radio. Um, so that's where our investment level um, is at. Uh, we also hope to recoup those investments through sponsorships. Um, so that changed last year. Uh, we changed our color scheme a little bit. Uh, we were burgundy and white in our uniforms. We uh, introduced an alternate black with sort of a neon green. All colors are still in our logo, yeah, but yeah. those are the hot colors. Yeah, and right. merchandise sales went through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, from a ticketing side, uh, it is it's more and more analytics. It's the m- much the more data you can get, the better off we are. And let's just let's work. Let's work smarter and harder, but yeah. smarter first. Well, you're like you said, the whole life, uh, you know, competing against life. That there's you're trying to sell ticket packages to whatever church groups and Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and hockey leagues. They're also being hit not only by the Blackhawks uh, as a kind of a direct competitor, but by so many other options All and like they can say well we've just we've done this the last five years and we're not going to do it this year well you know how do you how do you go against that knowing when it's uh you know it's on the verge of getting tired and being able to change it like you talk about you don't want to break anything that's fixed <laughs> right so how, how do you i mean again i'm sure analytics yep there's got to be some gut feel uh taking the pulse of people walking the halls how do you go about you know, knowing, trying to stay ahead of the curve on those, some of those things. Um, it, it goes goes back to, I think, um, the first thing I did here is I changed, and I know it sounds cliche, but it was a lot <laughs> of years ago. Um, I changed the office from sponsorship to partnership. Mm-hmm. When you ask people, what do you do for a living? You should be saying, I sell insurance, I sell soda, I sell beer, and by the way, I work for the Wolves. <laughs> right, because they're your top right. clients, and right. you need to be thinking about them all the time. Um, and it should be the same way in ticketing. Um, and I think just from from my background, going back to all the way as I was a kid, why I chose a psychology degree was because I wanted to help people. Hmm. Um, I want to sit down and I want to analyze and figure out how can I help you. So when you sit down in front of someone, the best thing you can do is listen. Talk to them about their product or what their needs are or what their group needs to do. And listen, it's not about us going to them and saying, hey, here's a list. What do you want to buy? Yeah, right. And we're not an ad buy. We're a partnership. 
or you know, in groups or an event. So we'll sit down with them and analyze that and then develop something unique that fits them. It may have never been created before, but if it's within our scope and we're able to do it, we'll do it. And then the, the group comes and they, they get everything they need or the sponsorship has everything delivered and those get renewed. Yeah. So as things, the biggest changes are the ones that happen all the time because you're listening and you're constantly evolving right. your brand. Well, how, how do you do that? I mean, it's because you've got to be evolving. It's not any one certain thing. But the question is, because you've got so much under your purview here, the different departments and all the different things that can be going on on a daily basis. How, how do you stay organized? Do you, you know, how, do you have a priorities like I got to, you know, make sure this week or each day I'm looking at these things or how do you, what's your thought process on staying on top of things? You hire good people um, <laughs> first and foremost, and you let them do their job and uh-huh. you, and you stay with them and you offer yourself as a ride along in many cases. Um, I don't need to be someone who's setting up meetings, nor do my senior people need to be setting up meetings. But the you know some of the some of the junior folks certainly can and say, "Hey, Mike, you know I could certainly use your help on this." Right. And then you ride along, and because I have more experience than a guy who's just out of college, I'm able to guide the process in a certain direction, and then hand it back over to that person to fulfill. Well, right. It's not to put them in their place or no show it show off how amazing you are. I know your approach is more like, okay, well, I'm going to help where I need to help, but make this person and the team, in this case, shine, and that he won't need me again if I do this the right way today, right? Right, and I feel like that's how they learn. Yeah. Is, you know, some of the best times are going to or coming back in the car from those meetings because in Chicago you have about an hour from wherever you're going to have a meeting. where you're going. Right? (laughs) So, um is say all right. So, did you pick up on that? Did you see? Did you did mm-hmm. we ask the right questions? Do you think we can do this? Um, and then they're and then they're ready to go the next time. Now, how do you going to that? That's the last kind of area I wanted to talk about. About you know somebody that's listening is like, man, you, you know, is is you when you're finishing up school or something back uh, back in the day of saying, oh man, that would be cool place to go work or Mike sounds like a mm-hmm. great guy to go learn from. H- how do you hear, how do you find people? How does somebody stand out um, when, you know, out of a long, you know, string of emails and, and whatever cover letters or applying online and all those things. How do people, you know, stand out to you and your senior folks to get, you know, get picked over the next guy or gal. I keep saying that, but it's generic. Right. Um, so, it, it's funny. I, I stood in front of a room the other day, and I said, "Is you know, sports marketing room?" And I said, "I have an entry level position at my office. You know, you're all you're all qualified. It's entry level. It's you know, it's a good job. You'd like it. Who wants it?" And everyone's arms raised up. Twenty four arms in, in in the office in the classroom. I said, "Okay." I said, "I have one of them." So how are you different than the person next to you? And it goes ever, anywhere from elevating yourself up to elevating yourself down. The social media footprint you have, so whether it is embarrassing or it's or it's representative of you, how many followers you have, 
How many LinkedIn folks do you have? The more you have there, the bigger breath. We have this charted for the people we're interviewing with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, one of my one of my favorite questions when I interview is we we have a written questionnaire before before the interview. It says list all the groups and organizations you have you've ever been involved with. And they sit there, and then people will write four or five because that's kind of what they did in college. Or what? Walk back in. Now let me re-ask that question. How many clubs and organizations have you ever been involved with? I said, did you ever play Little League? Well, yeah. I don't see that on this list. So the wider the breadth, and maybe this comes from me you know, tying this all together, coming from, from a background that was so non-sports into sports, you can talk the talk. I, I can go into performing groups whether they're bands, choirs, you name it. And if we want them in our building to perform, I know exactly what to say because I've been in those shoes before. If all you've done is one thing, then that's all you're good at. So give me the person who has a wider breadth than smaller, but you have to tell me all those things. Um, And I think the other thing is you have to understand this is a business. Uh, I can't, you know, we talk about this all the time about the people who come in to interview and they'll say, Oh, I'm a huge hockey fan. Like, you're done. Yeah, right. I, I don't need a fan, or I'm a huge Wolves fan. I don't. I don't need that. Right. I've become a bigger fan of business through my passion for sports than I am a fan of sports. So, yeah, I think you know, folks. Uh, you know, again, going back to one one of the other things that I said before is you need to sell to the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm old. I'm a bit old school, Chris. Uh, so, boy, if you gave me a handwritten note, that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, an email is okay. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that there was an individual who is currently employed here. It's down between two candidates for this role. They were both qualified, and we said, whoever gives us the handwritten note is going to get the job. And sure enough, we got the handwritten note from this one person, and she got and the, the other, job. And the other person didn't. Yeah. So she, yeah. Huh. There's a great example. One thing that we've talked about too is what a better way of understanding who your audience is, is you've, you've got all kinds of examples that we've talked about at past networking and sports marketing things of knowing of talking to you, like you said, somebody that's just out of school, how do they communicate with their friends? They're snapping, they're, they're texting, it's brief and whatever. But your story of what if you need money from your parents what do you do? Do you text them? I need $500 in an emergency. You know, Hey, you know, what up mom? Right. I need, can shoot me 500. No, you, you call them. You ideally see them talk face to, to face, face to face. I'm assuming that you're too far away sure. in college. Sure. But exactly. That would be the best thing is you, you've got that. And you've got to also have a case like wh- how, why would they give you the money? You got to explain to them and in ways that it's going to motivate them and they're going to understand it. It's just, well, time and time again, you get those kinds of things, right? And, and uh, communication has multiple, uh, there's multiple cues. So there is written communication. So if I'm texting, that's all there is. But if we're face-to-face, you, there's verbal, there's inflection, there's body language. You can see it in my face. You can see how sincere or not sincere the person is. So I, yeah, there's, there's a lot more to it, to distinguishing yourself. But the, I would say the first step is, Try to guess how they want to be communicated to. Um, you know, reread your, your emails. If you're going to write an email, that 
that's fine, but reference things. Don't make it generic. We've all got files of bad resumes and bad emails, which are good for a laugh every now and then. Um, but going back to, to earlier in the conversation, ask people why I'm doing things or how can I learn or take someone out in an office for a cup of coffee. Like, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee and find out what you do in the ops department? Because that will make you more well-rounded and better to branch off than just staying in your silo. And then that person can, well, you'll probably learn at least one, but probably multiple things that you didn't realize was part of their job or somebody else that you didn't even know worked there or whatever. And then they, when that person comes back in, hey, you know, you've now made a good impression face to face that, okay, well, I should introduce you to so-and-so that's a hiring person or this person in this department that can tell you, or in this industry, my buddy is at X team. Maybe it's, uh, you know, not even in the same sport, but, um, you know, I got a friend at the White Sox that does something like something like that that you should talk to. And you didn't even think of that as an option. And now it's right there in front of you and they're hiring or something. It's, that makes all the difference in the it, world. It's, it's, it's top, it being top of mind and in the right place at the right time. And luckily in my career, that's exactly how I advanced was being in the right place at the right time and, and taking advantage of it. Well, some of that though, you would, you, graciously would say probably, you know, luck and timing, but you put yourself in that position to be considered for some of those things. And that's where the preparation leads to a lot of luck, I think. And you've, you've done that. A lot of people, that's how they get there. Yeah. You had to be in that, put yourself in a position and maybe something fluky happened at that particular, you know, time in their lives, but they were there to be even considered. So, yeah. So I, you know, one of one of the people who gave me my start in this whole analytic thought was back at DePaul. Um, I had a professor who was doing uh, research on algorithms on minor, minor league baseball to decide whether promotions had an actual effect on and attendance. This is when back, all back oh my gosh, this is, this is back in '93, uh, four, yeah. <laughs> somewhere in there. Um, and I went up to him after class. I said, "Oh my, that is amazing! What's, al- what's algorithms? Right? <laughs> That's what I like, and I, right? I love the stats. Um, so, how can I? You know, how can I help you? Like, is there anything I can do?" He said, "Absolutely." And I worked hand in hand with him, and he actually allowed allowed me to travel with him to the conference where he presented. Oh, wow. But again, my mind started thinking. Think about all these things. You could create a model in a, just in a spreadsheet of day of the week, what's the promotion, is there rain in the forecast, um, to determine what's your walk-up and what does it look like. So from a hiring process, how much staff do I need, how many concession stands do I need to have open? It's all it's all very cool stuff if you get into it. Right, right. Like you could, yeah, you could stand back, oh, I'm not a statistics person or an analytics person. Well, you know what? You probably should be to some extent. You need to understand it. So now would be a good time to have this teacher who's really good at it, break it down for you and get into it. And you'd be amazed what you could learn from it because you kept your eyes open. Just your case, you kept your eyes you open. You raised your hand initially because you're like, oh, I already like this. Like, I, I this is perfect tying these two worlds together. I think some, some people aren't, they're missing it. There's some blind spot where they're not seeing this could actually expose me to other good things, other good opportunities, whatever. And taking advantage of it. So are you the person who leaves the classroom at nine o'clock at night just because you're done with your day? Or do you take the moment out and seize the opportunity and just walk up to the profession and say, Hey, that's really cool. Can I learn some more? And it's, it's 15 minutes of your time. Right. Yeah. I, right. That's it. <laughs> that's it. It's that simple. Uh, anything, 
else in because um, we're we're running we're running I'm, I'm running you past your your uh, your promised uh, endpoint here, Mike. So, is there anything else that we hadn't uh, been able to touch on you'd like to share with people that are listening, or we or do we we knock it all out of the park? I think we knocked most of it out. Um, you know, you did. You gave me a couple prep questions saying, you know, who are your mentors and things like that. And I thought about, uh, I thought about some of them, um, and, uh, you know, working in sports, um, you realize that you have to have, um, the support of your family Mm -hmm. behind you. Uh, you have to have an infrastructure and I'm just, I'm really lucky to have a very supportive wife, um, and family for that matter, um, who've supported me and thinking back, I met her in college, um, and, uh, I would put her as one of the people who was one of my mentors because she uh-huh. taught me way back when, Hey, you know what? This is how you study. This is how she, she, uh, she majored in economics and I majored in fun at that point. Um, <laughs> and, uh, she definitely turned, turned me on to, uh, academics and realized that, Hey, you know what? There's plenty of time for fun. Just knock out what you need to do first, and then you've got some free time afterwards. So, in, geez, in college, go to the library in the afternoon, novel concept, yeah, and then right. you, then you That's can do everything idea. everyone else is doing at night mm-hmm. too. So, I I owe a lot of my work ethic uh, to her, and now my the support of my career to yeah, her. That's as awesome. Well. That's awesome. And then, so your wife's name is Susan. Susan, yep. big big props to Susan. And yep. then you guys have uh, how many kids? We have two kids. I got a, I have a sophomore, a junior now and an eighth grader. Time flying by, right? For sure. Well, Mike, this I, I think this was fantastic. I hope I appreciate listening. Time, Chris. Yeah, no, I appreciate your time. This was great. Mike Gordon from the Chicago Wolves on the Painless Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Mike. I'm going to go uh, pop another lozenge in. Hope... Uh, you also check out the Illini RST Celeb and Golf Outing, benefiting the U of I Department of Recreation Sport Tourism Scholarship Fund. Remember, that's Friday, August 11th. There's still time to not only get a foursome, but there are some sponsorships available. Talk to my guy, Nick, N-I-K-L-A-P-I-N at AOL.com, or check out their website at IlliniRSTGolfOuting.com. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Another great guest coming up. Don't forget to also check for painless email in your inbox if you're not already subscribed get yourself on the list at painless.network and until next time it's chris hartwig saying stay connected friends <laughs> <laughs>